Hello everyone and welcome once again to If We Can Just Say. I am your host, Stephen Ogle, and with me as always is my lovely co-host and wife, or wife and co-host, depends on how we're rolling that day, uh, Jessica Carter Ogle. Hello, hi everybody. <laughs> I am my own person, Stephen. It's not just me relative to you in the moment. <laughs> just, just, just my lovely, beautiful, wonderful co-host, Jessica Carter Ogle, will do. Oh, she's just a co-host. Sorry folks, not wife just co-host got it <laughs> noted for next time next time it's just just co-host this is got business it. this is our business this is not personal <laughs> oh man so we are in the weekend we're recording back on our normal day yeah uh we're more energized this week because we actually got sleep this week and recovered we from our long weekend which that, was which was great yeah but which was just a, tiring yeah so we're not as tired this week we should have a little bit more exuberance I am always filled with exuberance. I have so much exuberance, it's oozing right out of me. Oh, boy, I tell you what, when we re-listened to last <laughs> week, I was like, man, we sound like we are ready Dragging. to just, just pass out. I was just like, yeah, so cool. So Stephen has a problem with slow motion speaking sometimes, and it's even more so when he's tired. So I felt like in last week's episode, I wanted to get one of those um, Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny canes and just like pull him out of there. And, That's all, folks. And, and for Chuck, Chuck listens to us at like one time, one and a half times the speed or something like that. So for him, we were probably still talking too slow. You know, I didn't know people do that with podcasts. I've yeah. heard other people do that. I've been watching things and hearing other people say like, yeah, I can get this many podcasts in because I listen to it at like twice the speed or something. And I'm like, yep. wow. And the, the show we're watching now, uh, Only Murders yeah. in the Building. The young girl Lucy told Charles that she's like, I li- yeah, I listen to you guys at one, one and a half times the speed or whatever, and it's like sometimes you're still talking too slow. Yeah, so that's <laughs> funny. I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing that you could actually listen at a different speed till Chuck told me. I am not tech savvy, and yeah. I'm fine with that. It's not. Yeah, it's been that way for a long time. But yeah, so. But we've had a good week. We've had a good weekend. Yeah. Our work's, week, our been, week's, work's really cool. not been like great this week, and we don't really talk about work. So the fact that we had a um, sort of just us relaxing really good weekend yeah. was needed and was really good. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so Friday we... Like, the second we got off work, I feel like we just both heaved a sigh of relief. Like... Like, yay. It's the weekend. It's the most TGIF-iest I've felt in a long time. Yeah. And we did, uh, uh, some of you might have noticed our post of our uh, Who's Vinyl. Yes, His and Hers Vinyl Weekend Kickoff is our our new little post that we're going to do. Yeah. So, and and I guess, I don't know, do we want to reveal who's was whose? Yeah, I did get a guess, but yes, um, the person that guessed on me was correct. Mine was not death therapy. <laughs> Mine was a little-known 70s folk, 60s, 70s American folk band called The Grassroots. Yes. But but don't let her uh, don't let her fool you folks. She liked the Death Therapy album. That was surprising I did. Yeah. It's got uh it's got like a Rob Zombie 9 Inch Nails kind of feel to and it. And I'm into that. So, so uh <clears throat> a little different than what you had been listening to all week though. You've been obsessed. We're going to be bookending our Ooh. podcast with the same topic, but you've been obsessed. I am I am stuck right now on Star Wars. I cannot like we have the soundtrack on vinyl. And I had not listened to it. We bought it at a resale shop like last year um, called Finders Keepers. And uh, I don't remember how much we spent for it, but it wasn't that much. And I was like, it's just the original Star Wars A New Hope soundtrack on vinyl, double vinyl. And uh, I came upstairs. What did I say to you when I came so upstairs? So we're both working from home. I'm at my computer. He's working down here. We both just listen to music or whatever. And he came upstairs, and he looked like a little giddy schoolboy. <laughs> and he's he's at the record player, and he's like, don't mind me. And he grabs the Star Wars vinyl, and he's like, I'm just going to go downstairs and have some fun. And he, like, runs downstairs <laughs> with his Star Wars album. And I'm looking at Soph, like, what are we doing tethered to this man for life? What is going on? But I will say, like, I don't know if we've talked about the addition of the record player to the basement. Uh, I don't think we have. So we have a whole Sony only uh, entertainment system upstairs that has vinyl, everything hooked into the amp, the bass, all that jazz. 
And down here, he had my old school record player, which was one of those ones that's in like the wooden case to look vintage and has a tape player and a radio and all that stuff on it. And we still have it because I love it, but he can't hook it into his speakers and stuff. And as he's working on his man cave down here, he ended up buying a record player like we have upstairs. So that's hooked into the speakers and the sub and everything in the basement here. So he's been listening to a lot more of all of this vinyl that he's buying and has his own space to listen to more metal than I harder metal that I really just don't like or coming down here during his work day and listening to the Star Wars soundtrack and kind of, you know, getting him through the day. Yeah. So it's cool. I I think having that space and, you know, being able to do that now. Yeah, and it's um, it's a, the soundtrack is done by John Williams conducting the uh, London, I believe the London Philharmonic Orchestra, which is, I mean that orchestra is always top notch for any any sort of orchestration uh, interpretation they want to do. But that's the original uh, that did it for the for the original trilogy movies, and I believe they came on for the prequels later. But like John Williams generally goes with them. Um, Let's just say I have the Star Wars theme in my head all week and weekend, and I'm not pleased. And also, um, I started listening to a band a couple years ago called Galactic Empire, um, and they are a metal band in which they took John Williams' score and then turned it into metal, note for note. And it is some of the most awesome music I've ever listened to. You nerds are across all genres, aren't you? Yeah, and then there's a dubstep DJ that I listen to named Cell Dweller, that he did uh, the Imperial March, which is Darth Vader's theme. Um, he did that. Uh, what about like San a, Holo? Is that San Holo? That's, that's like that's Han like, Solo. Yeah, he named himself after Han Solo. So another just, Star Wars. Okay. Yeah, but he doesn't do any Star Wars music. Just the name. Just the name. Um, but Cell Dweller did did him the Imperial March. He did that a few years ago, and then just this last year he released. Uh, a, a small little EP with a couple of other dubstep DJs remixing his version of the Imperial March, one of them being uh, the Pegboard Boys, and they are fantastic. It's everywhere. Didn't Darren walk down the aisle? Our cousins who were just in town, they got married, and Darren walked down the aisle to some sort of star. You were there. We I don't remember. I mean, that was four years ago. Was it the ago. Imperial March? Is that a positive or a negative thing? That's a negative thing. Okay, then it wasn't that. But he walked down the aisle to something at their wedding yeah, that it, was Star Wars, which was cool. I thought that was cool. I can't yeah. remember what it was. Yeah, I don't remember. But um, but yeah, so I've been listening to a lot of Star Wars soundtrack stuff. Um, also, there's the uh, two cellos. They do a thing called Star Wars as well, which is a whole bunch of John Williams score all put into one. Um, and they've got some sounds like they've got uh, Chewy at one point, like they've got R two in there and stuff. They got some other sounds. What about to go my with boy C three PO? I don't know if th- I don't know if there's any actual words, but you hear you know, Darth proper Vader's grammar breathing. is not respected as much as it should be. You you don't hear uh, you don't hear any uh, words said, sounds. but you hear sounds. So you hear lightsaber sounds and Darth Vader's breathing and stuff like that because they go between various different. Uh, pieces of John Williams score and I want to say they call that uh, Cello Wars is the Mm -hmm. name of that track Um, you bought something Friday too didn't you I bought Galactic Empire I found it on uh, the the record label they're on is Rise Records and I found their second album for seven dollars yeah their first album was still like twenty eight dollars and shipping is like six bucks. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, I want both these albums. So if I get one, I'm going to have to pay six bucks for shipping a second time when yeah. I get the second one. So let's just get both. And then I woke up the next morning. And I was like, well, let's see what else they have on that website. It was back to being a regular $28 purchase. Yeah, so, so I was like, cool. I got lucky and got one of them for seven bucks. I was like, woohoo. Some kind of random Friday right. flash sale. Yeah. Maybe they also have like a Friday vinyl weekend kickoff like we do. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I can't wait to listen to those on vinyl because actually I've not listened to their second album by Galactic Empire. I know it's a bunch more score that's from... Uh, I know. I know. One of the tracks is Ray's theme from the sequel trilogy, which we have not gotten. Well, Seven dollars is a worth it gamble. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for vinyl. But I also like and them. I just hope they give me a digital copy as well. That'd be cool. I just enjoyed Friday night because we didn't do anything. No. We had a couple of drinks. We didn't even play cards. We had a couple of drinks. We traded off vinyl all night. We just talked. We sat at the table. Yep. We played with her. We danced around the kitchen. Like it was just. 
I was like, I needed this. I needed just me and my husband and dog in our house and a cocktail and some music and conversation and just relaxing. And it was like, it just felt like it had been so long. Yeah. I don't know why or if it even had been, but. It's been a while since it's been just us. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. And, you know, Soph, of course. Wanting to go outside about every 10 or 15 minutes is always a fun trip well, when we're sitting that, at the table. Then, yeah, when we're sitting at the table, she does it more. But we've got that new neighbor dog that's like a barker. It's not like a bad bark, so there's at least that. But he is a barker, and he gets the other neighborhood dogs barking. Yeah. So when Soph goes outside, she never really barks in the backyard, ever. She's on high alert. She's watching stuff. She's checking stuff out. She's eagle-eyeing things. But she only really barks if that dog like triggers her to bark. Yeah, and and generally it's every time he's out there, she wants to go out there, and then she ends up barking back at him. Yeah. I mean, I did Friday. I It was either Friday or yesterday. I am, weather hits me, and I am fighting a little bit of a migraine right now, so I am on my migraine medication, and I'm feeling a little. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. But I'm okay. She might start slowing down, folks. I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, what else? We uh, did the DIA yesterday. Yes. So I think I don't, there's all these relationship rules, like the two, two, two rule we were talking. Have you heard about this, babe? I don't, I don't think, whoops. (laughs) I don't think I have. (laughs) Um, so it's safe to say they, they know, well, no, I'm sorry. I'm just your co-host. I'm I'm not your husband. Sorry. I made it personal. Um, it's like every two weeks, have a night out every two months, go away for the weekend every two years, have a week away, some kind of something like that. Katie Darren and I were talking about it. Never heard of it. Because I'm like, I get that the concept, I can't be in those stringent rules like that. That's too much of a commitment for me. But like the concept is basically at the end of the day, make sure you're spending quality time with your significant other. Because although we live together, work together some days, sleep next to each other, watch tv together you're not that not all of that is like quality talking to you checking in seeing how you're doing having experiences and you know we're also not like rich people with unlimited vacation so it's like (laughs) i i told him i'm like i would like to do experiences this year like once a month i want us to go and do something it doesn't have to be lavish it doesn't have to be huge but just something that gets you and i out of the house just us and doing something different yeah. And so we had our first experience of 2023 yesterday. I can see my mom rolling her eyes right now hearing me say that. <laughs> um, and we went to the DIA, the Detroit Institute of Arts, and we saw the Van Gogh in America exhibit. Yeah. So they had, I believe it was 94 paintings of Van Gogh in a special exhibit at the DIA. And yeah. you had to buy tickets in advance and they had time, they were time stamped to try to, um, control the flow of people in and out of that exhibit um and ours we went at 11 and we were still trying to get in the parking at like 10 after 11 i it was insane and we bar- we got in the parking lot and literally they closed it like almost right behind us because that parking lot yeah was full. when we walked out of parking i'm like why is there no one else here and i realized like we had just parked our car and we're exiting and they had already closed it yeah. And mind you, there were like four spots by us, so I don't know. Yeah. But Actually, they were filled when we went back. Yeah. So I don't know. Because there were cars driving around looking yeah. for parking when we yeah. were walking out. True. Um, the interesting thing for me is that they have these timestamps, but they, they're not trying to shovel people out. They're no. trying to shovel people in at a moderate pace yeah and try to keep them moving but there was no end it wasn't like i mean i could have stayed in the exhibit all day yes if i wanted to then you could go back yeah the thing was like no you couldn't go back because you had to go through that line so it was so it was time stamp so once you left you couldn't go back i would say it took us about an hour and a half we spent at the something like something in there so and it was great i would say my only thing was there were so many, I love art museums, but I've never been to a specific high in demand exhibit like that before. Um, and there were so many people and like there were security all over and like people were going in in a line like this. It's an art museum. You don't stand in a single line and go like all the security people are like, this is not a line. There is no line. Move at your own pace. Feel free to walk around. Start at the other end. Start wherever. Like, yep. And you know how people are like, if there's a line they think they should be in, it's like human nature to be in a line. 
And I, I could tell, I could feel people giving me like a look as I like walked around them because I'm like, I'm not, there's no line. This is not sixth grade. Yeah. The, the problem I had. So first of all, Van Gogh's art is amazing. We saw some cool yes. stuff. Uh, I didn't even know that he did pencil work. If I'm being honest, I didn't know he um, did. I didn't know he had a few, he had a few watercolors in there and there was a whole exhibit of like pencil, pencil and graphite. Um, yeah. drawings and ink drawings and they were literally amazing and I yeah. I don't normally take photos at a museum but I did take some because I wanted to add some to our post and it's weird because normally you would go to a museum and you would rent a headset yeah. and you'd hear more stuff they don't do that anymore so there's a phone number to call so not only are there people everywhere you're trying to look at stuff people are taking pictures and totally blocking your way to take pictures and then everyone looks like they're on their phone because they're calling the number for each photo to hear stories about it it was sort of a wild experience yeah and and for me my problem is is that uh like the more I get out into society and experience events like this and things like this where there are tons of people crammed into a small space, the more I see the side of humanity that does not notice what is around them Oblivious. And, and only cares about themselves. Um, I, I mean, I'm sorry. Every single time I walked in front of someone or was about to walk in front of someone, I said, excuse me. Pardon me, Same. like there and you know threw my hand up as like a wave of like excuse me I'm going like I'm, let me get by you real quick uh, I don't want to be in your way I, yeah. I want you to experience this as well and I can't even I can't count the number of times someone threw their cell phone up in front of my view of of it and said nothing to me it took you know their thirty to forty seconds to get their perfect photo oh. which by the way was not a perfect photo because I could see in their phone that they don't know how to take photos no. properly. And then these they were the worst pictures I've ever seen people take. And then they would take the photo and some of them would then show the person they're next to and meanwhile they're standing in front of me the entire time and have not said, I'm sorry, excuse me, do you mind yeah. if I anything? And like the kindness that it takes to just go, excuse me, and you mind if I take a photo yeah. real quick? Cool, go right ahead. Because literally, I don't, I don't care. What I care about is someone being aware of their surroundings and understanding that we all paid for this experience. Yes. We all paid to look at these photos, and we all look at these photos a different way. Painting. Paintings. Um, I say I say photos because to me it looked like, a, like, a, uh, like an iPhone photo that you hold and it moves for yeah. you. Like... The way he painted, it looks like it's always moving. Yeah, so that's for me. Movement. I always think photo, but it's not a photo at all. It's a canvas painting. It's a watercolor painting. It's a it's a pencil drawn canvas painting. Like it is amazing. And yeah. I, when I look at it, I look from the top left hand corner, and I scan to the right, and I take probably about two inches of the painting, and I scan over to the right, and then I come down beneath that, and I like scan waiting. back to the left. And I look at it, because I'm looking at the lines. I'm looking at, well, did he use his finger there? Can you see prints of his finger on when he's doing like a half circle? And like a lot of times it looked like to me he was using his finger. So I'm looking like, can you see the fingerprint in there anywhere? Like I'm looking for that kind of stuff it because could be like a brush, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some stuff you know, like mm -hmm. especially with a pencil stuff, you got smudges. Yeah, you know that like. Yeah, it's not perfect. Artists, they use their be. they use their thumb to to do stuff like that. So I'm looking at those kind of details. I didn't take any photos. I knew Jess was going like to take I photos said, yeah. for a post. I would say the worst thing before I get into the art itself, the worst thing for me was the finale piece was a starry night, but it was a starry night over the Rhine. So first of all, I don't think that there were I don't think everyone there realized it wasn't the a starry night that they thought it was. Yes. But my worst thing was people taking selfies in front of it. Like people like this girl had this stupid little backpack on and she was trying to take her husband or boy or whatever. I don't know her brother's picture in front of it. And she's like backing up into me, not even saying anything, getting his picture. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then she's like, oh, and then he gets his picture and they like walk away and they're looking at the picture. I'm like, you just took a selfie with a painting like a complete idiot. 
Like, what are you people doing? Like, I think you're missing the whole point of like art and seeing art and everyone interprets it differently, which is something I like, but you at least have to interpret it and taking pictures of it, walking up to it quickly, taking pictures, not looking at it is not interpreting art. Like, why did you pay to come? Not to mention, they gave us a book that had all the paintings in them, so you could look yeah. at them that way. You don't really need to take a photo. No, you're you had have, a photo. I mean, it didn't have, have all it. of them, but yeah. And yeah, my thing is just common courtesy. No, notice people, when you're in these situations, notice the people around you and actually care about their space. Don't be so oblivious and actually have an experience. Like, I still think back to that Kit Moore concert we went to where he was, like, telling people to put their phones away. Stop looking at me through the phone. I'm right here. And he took that girl's phone. Oh, yeah. In the middle of the song, she's, yeah. she's filming it. He took the phone and put it in, into like, his back pocket and then finished the rest at. of the song. That's why what I'm saying is, like, I want to have experiences this year. I want you and I to do things. Sure, I'll snap a couple pictures and we can put it up in a post, but... That didn't affect, I took like three, like it didn't affect, you know, Yeah. I love Van Gogh's art. I, I will say one thing I didn't expect was that I thought they were going to have all of the big, if you're doing like that kind of collection, I thought they were going to have, they didn't have sunflowers, they didn't have lilies, they didn't have a starry night, they didn't have the cafe, they didn't have cherry blossoms. So I was surprised that there wasn't any of those, at least one or two, but they did have self-portraits, they had the postman, they had the bedroom, they had like all of those famous ones. The chair. And the chair. And it was really cool to see ones I haven't seen before. He did a lot of paintings of olive trees. And some of them are just quite literally gorgeous. Some of them make me feel like I'm standing in the breeze of the olive tree. Yeah. Um, he had a couple really nice poppy paintings that were really gorgeous. And just like he had one of just two women walking. And I was just like, I don't know. There was something about it. Like I looked at Stephen and I was like, I love her dress. Like I could wear, I could totally wear her dress. Like it looks like just, yeah. I could step into it and like get in step with these two ladies and see where they were going. Like the movement of his pieces, like you said, is what draws me to him. Like I feel like if I look at them long enough, they can start moving and sort of transport me. The one thing that was cool was uh, a callback to our immersive experience where it was all on the walls and stuff. Um, I remember the potato pillars with the light. Yes. And and that that painting was there. And that's and, actually a drawing. And when I was looking at it, I literally in my head, like I could see the light turning on. Yeah. Because of what we saw in the immersive experience, which added more to that. Yep. Um, I didn't even realize that when you said it to me. I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, it was. Because the immersive experience kind of took that drawing and added it piece by piece. You saw, like, yeah. a light and a little bit of, like, what looked like something smoldering. And then it's called the potato eaters. So the more you see, it's people at a table eating potatoes. And it sort of was peeled back for the immersive experience. Yeah. And it was cool to see it to scale in the drawing. Yeah. I. It was cool. Um the thing about art, especially canvas paintings and whatnot, um, it, you have to you have to look at it for a while. You do to really see you it. Do. You can't just you can't just look at it and move on and go, oh yeah, that's a cool piece of art. And that that to me is people that don't understand art when they just walk I away feel from like it. If if it was one thing, I will say this is the last weekend for it. And I think it was maybe four months, and we just never had the time to go. I will say next time I will make the time to go to something like this um, earlier. So yeah. we're not at the sold out, you know, last weekend. But I will say that if it wasn't um, a timed experience or ticketed like that, I feel like you and I would have spent more time. I think we would have spent probably over two hours at least there because you and I are like that. I read faster. I look at things faster. But whereas you like look and you stay, I look, I look, I look, and then I come back to look again. That's kind of how I do it. And yeah. you just don't have all that freedom. When we left the exhibit and we're walking a little bit around the museum, I was like, oh, I can breathe. There's only three people in this area looking at stuff. And yeah. it's it's hard to be standing on the hard floor all day doing that and I told him I'm like I want to go back to the DIA for just the regular stuff because we only went to the Van Gogh exhibit and I was like we would need to come we would need to do it for a couple hours then we need to sit in the cafeteria and have a snack whatever recharge and go back because there's just so much to see it's a huge museum you know the thing is is like even in the Van Gogh area they had um they had those uh, uh benches that yeah. you could sit on in the middle of the room 
You can't see anything, though. No, I had to sit on one once because my lower back starts to, like, just get really tight. Yeah, and, and I told her at one point, I was like, if, if all these people weren't here, I would sit on this bench and stare at this for a while. Yeah, which would be which would have been nice. Yeah. There were some paintings, like, tons of paintings I had never seen before. Um, there was one of a couple fishermen in, like, a sunset that I just thought was gorgeous. The colors were gorgeous. I really love thick, heavy brush strokes. I've painted a few things in my day. Um, I mean, I'm not anything special. I'm just, like, some chick with some paint, but... I like the thick brush strokes. I like for that, like, 3D look of clumpy paint that you look like. Like, there were so many of his paintings. I'm like, I just want to run my hand over this and feel the texture of this paint that he just is so thick on there. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, his his stuff is very eccentric. And, of course, they had the history and the story of how Van Gogh's stuff made it to the United yeah, States. Yeah, I learned so much more like, than I... The DIA was the first uh, institute of art in the United States that bought one of his paintings, yep. which was the self-portrait. It was known in the art communities as a quote-unquote courageous purchase by the DIA. Yeah. Like, literally, that was the word. It was very courageous of them to buy this, and we, they were the first. And then I think the second was the MoMA. Yeah. So, hilarious to me. And now, you know, there's a 94 painting, or 94 art pieces exhibit yeah Yeah. so it was cool to hear about you know his brother and his um sister-in-law his sister-in-law and his nephew were the ones that really pushed all of his art after he passed to get it out there and had it all in their collections and i didn't know about a lot of that stuff so i didn't like i said i didn't know he did drawings and i loved van gogh for a long time but i've never really looked into him as a person as much other than like just the stuff that people know out there from passing. Yeah. It was more just his art. And I was really disappointed too, because the gift shop was really small and they didn't have a lot of prints. And I bought a print there once that's hanging in our um, spare bedroom. And I really wanted, I just wanted a piece that spoke to me. I really wanted the poppies, the poppies in a vase is a print that I really wanted and they didn't have it. Yeah. I think for me, um, especially seeing the self-portraits, because there's two of them. There's two different ones that he does or did. Um, And then there's the self-portraits that he did of the father and the postman and then the postman's son. And I guess he did the whole family, but the whole family wasn't there. Yeah. And and my thing is is that you can see, man, just the way he paints himself even. Like, Like, I know, like... I mean, it. He. If you don't know, Van Gogh killed himself. Yeah. So, like, you can tell, like, you can tell by looking at his self-portrait that he he w- was a tortured soul. Yeah. And it's crazy, um, because the way he painted things were so full of life, um, and in a way, like, uh, reminded me of like Robin Williams. Robin Williams was probably one of the more uh, more full of life actors that we've seen in our time. Yeah. But yet, in the end, he killed himself, and he always talked about in his interviews about depression and stuff like yeah. that, and trying to be like happy and stuff like that. So, looking at Van Gogh and looking at his self-portrait, I was like, man, this dude, this dude was tortured, and that's and that's unfortunate. But I'll but he was incredibly talented, and his works are they're gorgeous. I mean, he's just got multiple paintings of wheat fields he likes you know steven and i were talking steven's like he painted what he saw what he yeah and he did and it's like who would think how beautiful a painting of a wheat field could be yeah. but it just was yeah. and it was it was good i if it i don't know if it's a touring exhibit or what but if it is i would recommend going i just wouldn't wait till the last weekend yeah don't do that go see so. it go see it early yeah um so and that was good and then after that we um went to jolly pumpkin which is where we had our first date so we if call back to the early podcast if anyone recalls us meeting in a parking lot where i told him it's going to look like you can't park here but you can park anyway and i saw him drive by because he said it looks like you can't park there and i said that's literally what i told you it would look like park there anyway (laughs) we parked there yesterday i parked in the same parking spot that is where he proposed to me in that parking lot as well yep if you guys remember this if you don't if you're new listeners go back and listen it's an entertaining story <laughs> um but yeah. yeah so we went to jolly pumpkin where we had our first date and we ate and had a drink and 
We had a really cool bartender. Yeah, he's got tatted up like Steven. He said uh, he lets his kids pick the characters. Yeah, and he's got uh, superheroes all all the way up from his wrist all yep. the way to his sh- uh, shoulder. And his tattoos look pretty cool. Um, I wish we would have caught his name because he was cool. Yeah, he was a good he was um, a good bartender. <laughs> I just remember he was wearing uh, one of those shirts that looks like an auto mechanic shirt, yeah. and it said Fathead on it for the name. So I don't yeah, I don't I know like his <laughs> name, but I'm sure it's not Fathead. No. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> but yeah, not by he, birth anyway. He would, man. I have never seen a bartender pour as many beers as this man, and I mean literally, no head on the beer at all. Like bar- maybe said like it a, to me about five times. Maybe like a very thin layer of head, and literally didn't drop a single drop of beer out of the cup coming from the from the uh, tap. Yeah. Like he did not waste any beer, and I w- we watched him pour beer. We were there for an hour. So we recommend going down to Jolly oh. Pumpkin in Detroit and seeing if Fathead can pour you a beer. Because yeah. dude, dude does not cool. waste. Because I literally, like, no offense to the to the other person that came out to pour some beers, but I watched her pour beers and like. Oh, then he looks at me and goes, "Did you see all that head?" I'm like, "Oh my did, god!" I was like, "Did you see how much she just Stop poured?" Asking me about head and Jolly Pumpkin. She just <laughs> she just poured it out like. She wasted so yeah. much beer, and I was like, oh, man, like, this dude's killing it over here. Like, but we like going there. It gives us a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah. It's a good place. They got sours. I like sours. I meant so it's for good. our date and relationship. Oh, yeah. There's that, too. Now I'm feeling sour. Now yeah. I'm getting the sour part. I'm just a host right now, so I can't t- make it personal. Oh, my God. You're so dramatic. <laughs> Stop being such a drama queen. S- speaking of drama queen, woke up this morning to snow. Oh, my God, y'all. It is gorgeous. Ugh. It is like... That beautiful snow, it's falling softly. We're only supposed to get under two inches. It's a crisp, clean, bright morning. Soph wanted to go out, so I took her. It was dead silent outside. It was so nice. There we, there was no footprints in the snow. It was just us out there quietly walking as the snow was falling in fresh air, which really helps me when I have a migraine or a headache, getting that like blast of that cool, fresh air. Um, it's, I was just out there. I'm like, this is gorgeous. I feel like I'm in like a movie right now, just crunching through the snow. Oh, yeah. And here in about an hour or two, I'm going to have to go out and uh, like snow blow the driveway or at least use a a shovel or something, depending upon how much is out there. Yeah. It's packing snow. So you might want to use the, probably going to have to use a snowblower. Well, if it helps, once you come back in from that, I'll have pulled up my laptop to our 2023 vacation spreadsheet and we can plan some of our trips and figure out what we're going to do. And some of them will be warm and you can transport to warmth. So excited. I can't love a good spreadsheet. I can't wait. So. Uh, so with it snowing, we're yes. going to talk about some snow stories in our history. Oh yeah, it made us it made us think about that. Yeah. like as we were kids. So, uh, so I obviously grew up in Michigan. What yeah. what three one three? Oh, did y'all hear any of you Michigan people that they say by the year twenty twenty five they won't have any more three one three numbers for the Detroit Metro Detroit area, <laughs> which is hilarious to me because there's so many people. There's just too many people in the world overall. But I'm not going to get on that soapbox. <laughs> but I was like, it's crazy because Detroit has really put a lot of their like personality and representation into that three one three. Yeah, and like you're not everyone's going to be. Th- 313 anymore i will always be 313 represent anyway so i grew up in michigan (laughs) detroit area and i was just thinking about snow days when steven and i were talking because if i was a kid let's say i was probably 10 or 11 and i woke up on this sunday to this snow i would just be hoping and praying and wishing that it would keep coming and i would get a snow day tomorrow now which is interesting because it didn't it have to snow like a foot for you guys to not go to school it wasn't that bad but if it kept snowing from now till then, we'd get there. And yeah. nowadays, kids would just have remote school, so whatever. But as a kid, for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was just hoping and praying, like, let it keep snowing. And it was fun. Eric and I used to go out a lot, and we would make snowmen. And my mom would make us hot cocoa when we came back in. All of that classic, like, childhood stuff. I remember my family and another friend's family, we would go up to Frankenmuth every year around the holidays, which is sort of like a little um, German Bavarian village. They do dinners and have little shops and 365 Christmas store, all this kind of, or 363. Was that Heidi and Joe and their kids? Yep. Yep. So we would all go. 
Um, and some Sundays we would go and we'd be up there and it'd be snowing like this. And we as kids would just be like, let's just get a hotel. Let's just stay. Let's not go back to school tomorrow. Like school's going to be canceled anyway. It's going to take forever. We want you guys to be safe on the drive home. And it's going <laughs> to be, you know, we tried everything. We never once got to stay over. And as an adult, looking back at that now, I think, man, you know, that would have had to been a lot of snow for my parents because my, you know, we didn't have a lot growing up, so there wasn't a lot of excess money for last-minute hotel rooms. My dad was self-employed. My mom worked. Like, they didn't have time to take off. Like, Heidi and Joe, everybody. Like, as an adult, you look at the logistics, and you're like, it's not so easy just to be like, oh, let's get a hotel room for our kids, and they can miss school, and we can miss work. And But as kids, you don't know. You're hopped up on chicken and candy from Frankenmuth and it's snowing and you want to just have a sleepover in a hotel room. I don't know how you get hopped up on chicken. I feel like that would slow you down. Let me tell you, you this unlimited chicken hops you up and then you get, you're get you hopped up on poultry and sugar. Well, I know how to get uh, unlimited shrimp <laughs> you and I didn't, it did not uh, hop me up, I'll tell you that. I also have a good um, sledding story from when we were kids. So I don't... There's a hill on Hines Drive that's great for sledding. You guys have heard us talk about that um, area before. And there's another hill, and I can't remember exactly where it is, but so my parents would take us sledding. So there was a really snowy time, and it was also a little wet. So it was like, is it icy? Is it not icy? So my mom and I go down the, the hill first together on a sled, and it's icy. It is like a hill of ice. <laughs> so we end up crashed at the bottom. And roll in and I'm like upset. I had scratches from like, like my jacket rose up and I had scratches on my stomach and I was like tumbled around freezing cold with these ice gashes on my stomach. My mom's at the bottom of the hill and my dad's like, should we come down? And my mom's like, no, no. So what does my dad do? He sends Eric down by himself. <laughs> Eric tumbles down the hill. He's also like cut up and icy. My mom's standing at the bottom of the hill with two sleds and two crying kids. And then she's yelling at my dad, like, are you going to come down? And he's like, I'm not coming. It's icy. And he like walks down the hill to go back around. And he sent us all down to our icy deaths. And he was like, oh, I'm not going down there. It's icy. And he walks down carefully and comes to get some. My mom was so mad. <laughs> Eric and I are just crying and scraped up. And That's... my mom's mad. And my dad's just like, oh, I wasn't going down. That was icy. And she's like, you think? I'm yelling at you from the bottom of the hill not to send Eric down. You know, that's the worst when you're outside in the cold and you're and you're for some reason or another your coat like raises up and your skin is exposed. Yes. It's the worst. And then like, you get you hit the ice or the sled there and you get like a scratch there. It's like some sort of weird like numb burning scratch like yeah. in the cold. And you may not even feel it in that moment, but then yeah. when you start to thaw out, you feel it and you're like, Oh Yes. Yeah. So that's a fun, that's just so quite the childhood. Did it, were any of you uh, like in uh, Christmas Story where... Um, uh, no, we didn't go down in a greased up metal toboggan. No, I'm thinking about uh, his little brother. He uh, he laid there like a slug. That was his Randy only defense. he laid there like a slug. It was his only defense. No, that's when you're, when bullies are coming at you. <laughs> it's not sledding. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know if you guys just laid there waiting for no. help. No, no. My dad did text me the other day. After Katie and Darren left, he was like, I'm so dead. I'm so tired. I'm just I'm just laying in bed already. And I and all I wrote back was Randy lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. And my dad didn't even respond. <laughs> he was probably asleep. By I then. was like, that was that was a plus material right there. No emoji. No, no gif. No nothing. Just boom. Yeah. My A game. And he was probably asleep by the time he, he, he got your message. I guess. Yeah. So, what about you? You come from the land of no snow. I come from the land of uh, Tennessee, where it rains mostly. They have rain caps under the roads because it rains so much, so the road's not flat. Mm. And then turns around in the wintertime, and we get what's called freezing rain that turns into ice. So for us, we had school days, you know, snow days, yeah, or ice days, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it happened every year. We'd end up with at least one, maybe two ice days. Uh, during the ice storm in the mid '90s, we were out for like a week. Because literally the ice storm was so bad, it took out power, and we couldn't get on the roads. Like it was insane. Like wow. I, I wish I had photos from that time. It was so bad. We never we really had a, got ice. We don't get ice like that. Here. We had an ice storm here in like 2004, 2005 in Michigan because it took out the whole eastern coast. Um, took out power across the whole east coast because I stayed at my friend Dylan's house and and 
partied with them for three days at his mom's house oh, over the weekend while his mom was in Vegas. Talking about this before, and I have no idea what you're even talking about. And I live here. Like that, I he had a generator, I'm so I Google I was that. there during the day, and then at night I'd go back to my apartment and sleep in my hoodie, my sweatpants, socks, my my like two layers of socks. How is that any different from now? <laughs> And then I'd put three blankets on, and like that's how I slept at night because my apartment was in the side of a hill. Basically, I was in the lower apartment. Um, so for me, I grew up getting ice days. I can remember the ice storm, uh, but I remember my first like being here in Michigan, um, going home after being in Michigan, and it not really snowing here that much. We didn't have that much snow the first couple years I was here. I was like, man, this is actually kind of great. Um, and I went home. And uh, for Christmas, and I remember waking up the next morning, and it had iced over, and I couldn't get into my car. Literally, my car doors were frozen shut. My car, my car. My car, my car. Uh, my dad and I, it took us like, a, like 30, 40 minutes to get into the car, like trying to, I mean, because the handles were frozen. Everything was frozen on my car. Yeah. Completely frozen shut. Um. And so I remember my dad just making fun of me, like, wow, I thought you Michigan people knew how to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, we don't get ice. We get no. snow. So then I remember in 2008, after I w- moved out of being roommates with uh, Jared and, and Dylan, I got my own place again. And uh, I took a couple of days off in February because it was cold. I was like, I'm sick of getting out in this nonsense. I'm going to stay home. I might go to a movie or something, but I'm done with this. And I I was working for uh, Quest Diagnostics, a blood lab at the time. And uh, I remember waking up the next morning. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I got two days off in a row. This is going to be cool. Stretching out. I'm like, yeah figure out what I'm going to do while all my friends are working. Maybe I'll go see a movie. Walk into the living room, open up my curtains, and a foot of snow we even had, was on my car. We haven't had that much snow in so long. And then that night we got another six inches. And I didn't clean off my car because the snow plow came through the parking lot and packed up snow behind my car, and I didn't have a snow shovel, so I couldn't have got out anyways. There was nowhere to go. I'm sure you had. Yeah. You, pre- you were prepared to be home, so. Yeah, and I found out later on that literally everybody I worked with, a crew of six, I had the day off. So of the other five people, four of them called out, and one went to work and did all the work in eight hours because Doug was really fast. Um, but yeah, Doug did all the work himself that day. And of course some stuff didn't come in because of the snow. So it wasn't like we got a hundred percent of the work that day. Uh, but yeah, a bunch of people called out and I was like, well, I'm glad cause I never called out for anything. I miss snow days. I miss being a kid and getting snow days. I feel bad for kids that they aren't going to have that anymore. Like waking up in the morning and watching the, the news and watching the school scroll at the bottom. Yes. And like, where's your school? Where's your school? Your school's not there. Next round. Where's your school? It's not there. Next round. Your school is there. I can just see Eric and I jumping up and down in our pajamas because my mom hadn't even got us, got us dressed yet. And us being a private school, we always... Uh, our, we were always decided on later. So the public schools were usually closed already. Yeah. And it was like the next hour that we would be decided. I can picture plain as day me as a little kid, like jumping up and down in my little nightgown and Eric in his pajamas, just being so excited and then getting all bundled up to go out and make our snowmen and have that rosy cheeked feeling and hot cocoa. And oh my gosh. Yeah. I miss it. I miss yeah. those snapshot moments as a kid. Like I had a, we had a great childhood. I mean, there's ups, there's downs. There's nothing, nothing is perfect. Your parents do the best they can. You learn yeah. what you want to emulate, what you don't. But overall, the memories I have are of a great childhood in my parents, you know, doing the best for us. And those snapshots of th- those moments are just so, so much nostalgia, you know? Yeah. Any Anytime it snowed, my dad would try to pack a snowball if he could and throw it at me and my mom. Yeah. And it started a thing. My mom would never, I don't know if my mom, I don't remember her throwing them back, but I would try to, you know. Uh, but we never got that much snow when I was a kid. Now, I know um, when I was, man, it was either 81 or 82. So I'd have been one or two years old. So I don't remember it. But like 
like Paris at that point got like six inches of snow one day, it, like mm-hmm. in the winter that year, and like never saw it again. Well, think about this year. <laughs> they were closing flights right and left into the Nashville airport because they got more snow over Christmas than we did. S- Nashville always got more snow than Paris did. Yeah, but still just Tennessee like, overall yeah. got more snow than we did at Christmas. Yeah, Nashville falls prey to that snow that hits like the Dayton and Cincinnati area. Like a lot of that stuff, stuff sometimes the cold the cold air thing will push it down yeah. into Nashville, and we'll be on the we were on the west side of Nashville, so we wouldn't get it. Well, we're not supposed to get. I think we're supposed to get. Like I believe inch. Alexa told me one point three two inches is what I could expect, and I was like, wow, that was very specific. Yeah. So. Yeah, he'll yeah, be we'll out see. there. He'll be taking care of that. But yeah, because yeah, I don't want to turn it, it into ice. Be, yeah, it shouldn't be too much enough to really just kind of look and enjoy. But yeah, that's about it. I think that's pretty much it for this weekend. Once we finish this podcast, we'll just kind of be chilling. Yep. So what about this week? I'm certain that he's got some album anniversaries. We got some al- album anniversaries this week, folks. Um, and I I'm think just, we're just going to run through them. I'm going to run through them because there's so many this week. So I'm going to run through them. So and, uh, artist, <laughs> album, year it came out. Yep. So uh, first up to bat um, on Monday, Jack Johnson's very first album. Curious George soundtrack? No. Oh. That would be album like number four or five. Apologies. I can't remember. Yeah. You're, you're behind the times. 2001, Jack Johnson, Brushfire Fairy Tales. That was his first album. If you've never listened to that album, go listen to it. It's great. A, a, a wonderful album. Uh, another band that released their first album uh, anniversary this week, 2006, The Arctic Monkeys. Mm. Whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not. Um, and that is, if you like good... Thought-provoking. If you like good British punk mixed with some, some alternative, that is great music like uh you look good on the dance floor look that song up wonderful um yellow card second album lights and sounds came out best album they ever made i don't care what anybody says it's the best album they ever made and that is pop punk it's it's wonderful album um let's see we have uh pod's first album came out uh anniversary for that from 1994 called snuff the punk I don't know that one. And uh, it is hardcore meets punk. Uh, love that album. It's a, it's a wonderful album. Um, very different from the music they make now, but still very cool. Um, let's see. We had a band named Emery in 2004. They released The Week's End. Week is in Not Strong, Not Week is in Day of the Week. Um, their first album in 2004. That album was probably... I believe that was Jared's first foray into music that had both singing and screaming. If I remember correctly, the song Walls, he could not stop listening to it that summer, um, which was pretty cool. Um, uh, Punch Brothers, which we have mentioned before on this podcast. Yes, I love Punch Brothers. The Phosphorescent Blues came out, um, anniversary of that, 2015, which has a song on it called My Oh My. I highly recommend that My favorite Punch Brothers song of all time is My Oh My. Yeah, great song. Um, let's see. Also, Chris Thiele, who's the mandolin player for Punch Brothers, he had uh, a project he did with a piano player called Brad Melodou. Um, they did a project together, so it's mandolin and piano. I highly recommend that. That was night uh, in 2017. Um, and that wraps it up for this week's album anniversaries. So yeah. a lot of good stuff, a lot of different genres going on in yeah. there. Um, highly recommend listening to all of them. They're good. P.O.D. had a second album in there called Testify um, that came out as well. That was also a really good album. So Cool. Cool. That's that. So what's our entertainment topic this week? Well, that was the pre, so we've probably got a few minutes left with my migraine and her barking. <laughs> I'll let you take uh, take the lead on this. So we started uh, watching Star Wars not too long ago. I took Jess. You know what? I said I was going to let him take the lead, but I've just got one thing to say, and then Uh, he can have it. All right, sir. I prided myself on the fact that in my 38 years of existence, I had not ever, nor was I going to ever, watch Star Wars. Mm. And then I went on this stupid app called Bumble, and it's all been downhill from there. (laughs) In terms of that, because now I have to watch and hear about all of this stuff. I was like, I never wanted to watch it. And I'll, I will say to you that I was right about never wanting to watch it. 
So uh, we watched the original trilogy. Jess had never seen the original trilogy. We needed to start there because there are things that, that are absolutely spoiled if you start in chronological year order in which the timeline of Star Wars takes place. Right. We went, we went by release date, and I will yes. say those first three movies did absolutely nothing for me. Are, I, are you meaning the Luke Leia Han story? Yes, the first three movies. Man. They, like, did nothing for me. I don't even remember them. Yep, and and we're going to rewatch them, and they'll be more enjoyable just, as we, when we get to them. I'm again. like, I don't get it. I don't even fully under Like, I just, it doesn't really speak to me. I I don't know. I, Man, Star Wars trilogy is my favorite set of movies of I all know, time. I, I could, I've watched them more than anything else. Um, so then... We went back and watched The Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. So if I thought the first ones did nothing for me, not only was this next trilogy not something I enjoyed, but it was also bad. I will give you that the original movies are not bad, like production value-wise, acting, acting, um, cinematography, the effects, especially for like that time, rival any effects now. All of that stuff is cool. I just couldn't really get into the story. I just couldn't really. Was I like, oh, I hate everything about this? No, not at all. It was just not my kind of thing. No. Um, but I can recognize it for what it is and the cult, the cultness of it all and everything. But that prequel trilogy, I thought that was garbage. It was not great in the way of acting because I'll be honest with you, George Lucas, while he can write Han and Leia romance because it's based on sarcasm and they're adults, he cannot write Padme and Anakin in their 20s and teens trying to have a love story. First of all, you have Hayden Christensen, whose acting was straight up abysmal in that. (laughs) Um, Natalie Portman, (laughs) who's usually a good actress, but also straight up abysmal. Bad casting. I will say, Natalie Portman is not good for these kind of movies. She was cast horribly in the sci-fi adventure of Star Wars. She was cast horribly in the sci-fi superhero adventure of Thor. Like, just go back and do dramas. Like, do what you know to do, because these are bad. I thought she was bad. I thought the whole movie, Ewan McGregor was amazing. Yes. Let's um, let's talk about Ewan McGregor because we've mentioned that the the screenplays for these three movies of Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith, it has a lot of flaws in the screenplay. Yes. A lot of the the dialogue is is yes. subpar at best. But let's talk about Ewan McGregor. How good of an actor is he? Yes. That he makes everything he say mean something. Yes. He was great. And I will say so in order to watch it in the vein of a straight up Steven <laughs> so we had to watch the or- three original movies. Yes. Then we had to watch two of the prequel movies. Yes. Then we had to watch six seasons of Clone Wars. Yes. Then we had to watch the last prequel movie. Yes. And then yet last night we finished the seventh season of Clone Wars. Oh, my wife knows the timeline, and I'm I'm such a proud husband. I'm, I'm a proud co-host right he's now. He's literally beaming. His cheeks are <laughs> rosy, and he's beaming, and I'm whatever. Of all of that. That I watched, and in hindsight, I would like to have had a ticker count of the minutes spent. The (laughs) only thing I liked was Clone Wars. And why is that? Ahsoka. Let's talk talk about Ahsoka. Clone Wars is fantastic. It's animated. It fills a lot of the gaps. I will say, if I had never known Clone Wars existed, and I went from the second movie in the prequel series to the third movie... So much happens in that third movie that concludes so many things that wouldn't have mattered as much to me if I didn't have Clone Wars. Yes. And wouldn't have made as much sense to me. Yes. And, like, Clone Wars is great. It's animated. It's seven seasons. And it is, like, different stories going on with the Jedi during the war. It helps you connect to the characters better. It gives you a version of Anakin that's so much better and so much more well-acted than Hayden Christensen's live action. And it gives you a character that Dave Filoni created, who was the creator of Clone Wars, named Ahsoka. Yes, and a shout-out to D. Bradley Baker. He does all of the clone voices. Yes. Every single one. And there are scenes where literally it's only clones talking, and he's like Seth MacFarlane having a conversation with seven different clones. Yes. So great. It's a really cool, just more more way to get you connected. Like, that was the first time I felt connected. So I had watched six seasons of Clone Wars, and then I watched the third movie. 
the third movie I was connected more to, even though I might not have liked it or liked the acting, I was still more invested in it because of Clone Wars. The weird thing is Ahsoka is only in animated. She's not in live action. So it was weird to go into the seventh movie and not see her or have Third Anna, movie. Or, sorry, yeah. Not see her and have not have Anakin reference her. And then in the seventh season, they fill in some of that yeah. that gap. But it the Clone Wars are well are well done. There's a spin-off show called The Bad Batch that I'm actually looking forward to watching. I like this Dave Filoni animation portion of the Star Wars universe or is that yeah. just marvel that no, has a universe no star wars universe they were a universe before the yeah. mcu so steven is glowing with pride right now so <laughs> ash ashley Eckstein does the voice of ahsoka and she embodies that character so well gives that character emotion brings that character to life uh it, it, it you can't talk about clone wars and talk and and you can't talk about Clone Wars and not talk about Ahsoka's well, character and the voice actress. She is great. The voice acting is what does it. Like, the animation is great, but you have to have the right voice. Part of what makes Ahsoka so great is is her voice It's the and her character growth from season one to seven. And the way her, her voice is part of her character. Yes. So they are making a live action, and I am just not, I don't know. Yeah, the live action will be interesting um, because that's going to take place. Uh, we think it's going to take place in a couple of different timelines, and it's going to be played by Rosario Dawson. Um, but we are long before we get there. Um, but with Clone Wars, we get introduced to characters that are not in the main uh, series of movies, like Rex. Yeah, he's a clone. Captain Rex. Um, we Rex get Ahsoka. She mentioned the Bad Batch. Um, Matt. Uh, Matt Lanter is the uh, voice actor for Anakin, and he makes you care, as she mentioned a minute ago, She he makes you care about Anakin. He puts more passion into the character. There's more, there's more feeling that you have hearing him as Anakin than you ever hear with Hayden Christensen until the end. In he the, gives me more from his voice. Only than Hayden Christensen gives me from everything. The, for me, Hayden Christensen plays the character well when Anakin turns. After Anakin has turned... Spoiler alert for those of you out there. For for the moment in which Anakin turns and he leaves that scene after turning with the Empire, from that point forward, I believe Hayden Christensen does a great job. There's about because he plays a character that's been pulled four different directions yeah, and now he's losing he's spiraling but of all the three movies you get about 20 minutes of him spiraling and post before he's in his costume yeah and so it's like eh. but you get you get a lightsaber scene yeah. that is absolutely like paramount and the climax of everything is him and obi-wan yeah you get this scene of which Ewan McGregor delivers some of the best lines in Star Wars history, looking at him saying, you know, you were supposed to bring balance to the Force, not destroy it and send it into darkness. And the irony is, I've never liked Ewan McGregor as an actor. I've never, like, been impressed with him. I liked him in Big Fish. That was about it. Yeah. Um, But I like him now. I He's... like him from his portrayal. And he does the voice. Right, no, he does the voice sometimes, but okay. most of the time the voice is done by James Arnold Taylor. Well, it looks just like him. Like yeah. Dave Filoni did the character so that Mace Windu looks just like Samuel L. Jackson, and Obi Wan Kenobi looks yep. just like um, Ewan McGregor. And I will say, Anakin looks somewhat like Hayden Christensen, but not enough because there was such blowback. Yep, he doesn't look enough like Hayden Christensen. For you to think, oh, that's Hayden Christensen. Whereas when I look at Mace Windu, I say, oh, that's an animated Samuel L. Jackson. Or, oh, that's an animated Ewan McGregor. That yeah. is not an animated um, Hayden Christensen. And that's probably why I like it. Yeah. And I would even venture to say it's not exactly an animated Natalie Portman. A little bit, but not as much as the other ones. Yeah. And in the case of Mace Windu, it's uh, Terrence Carson that voices him. And he sounds like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Like he does that voice very well. Um, the guy Corey Burton, who plays, who does the voice for Count Dooku, sounds like Christopher Lee. 
um, which Christopher Lee shows up a couple of times. Um, but man, there's just so many other characters. Um, the only thing for me with the Clone Wars that bugged me was the guy who does the voice for Yoda. He does the voice and it sounds robotic a lot of times. Um, it doesn't have the passion in it that um, Frank Oz put into Yoda. I will agree with that. It does sound robotic and that takes away some of the wonder and like magistry of Yoda because what was cool about Yoda is he's supposed to be like this all-knowing, all-seeing kind of guy and the way Frank Oz did his voice in the live action matches that. It's gentle, it's it's human, it's yep. kind, and when you make him fully robotic, the whole Yoda-ness of him is lost a little bit. Yeah, and that's the part that like and it's Tom Kane the main narrator for the series, which he's a, he's, he's yeah, a, he gr- does tons of voices. He does a lot of he does voices. He does that admiral. Yeah. He does the admiral. He does the narrator and those voices are great, but just his Yoda voice for me, like, Yo- I guess that's what they wanted. There's so many times when watching the series, you're like, man, Yoda's a dick. And it's like, he comes across that he way does, sometimes, but he never does in live action. No. When I watched the third movie in the prequel, I was like, oh yeah, this is my Yoda. Yeah. This is like how my Yoda is. Yeah, like Yoda is so much. Oh, and there's two things to point out. Number one, when Order 66 goes through and the stormtroopers start killing Jedi, Yoda is standing there, feels the force as go- like all these Jedis are start- starting to die, and the two clone troopers behind him, he knows they're about to kill him, and he jumps up and literally with one lightsaber blow takes their heads off. How about the in scene less than he, a second? He walks in a room and sees two stormtroopers, and he like literally flicks his wrist, yep. like the most m- minute movement, and they like rise up and crash to the wall. Yep. And like boom, they're dead. And falls down, and then he puts both his hands on his cane and looks at the emperor and is like, "So." Because he's still walking with a cane, although he's doing backflips and you know, that's the, ninja movements. That's the cool part about Yoda is that in the prequel series, he will walk with his cane. It's deception. And he, then he like tosses his cane and he's flipping through the air and walking on the wall and like. Yep, he does all that stuff, and then he go, then he picks his cane back up and he walks. So I will say, maybe on a rewatch, I might like it more, but I just, it's not really my, it's just not my thing. But I will say there is something for everybody because I really did enjoy Clone Wars. I really liked it a lot. And a lot of it was because of Ahsoka's character and uh, the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin and the relation between Anakin and Obi-Wan was really fleshed out and done really well in Clone Wars. And I think that kind of Ahsoka character was something that was missing in the live action. Yeah. And that, I mean, it was created years later by Dave Filoni. And it's very, you know, very male heavy in those movies other than like Leia and the Clone Wars had a lot more diversity and a lot more you know equality in terms of species and men and women and everything yeah and you can get away with a lot more of that you know in animation you don't have to work as hard and spend as much on costume design or having people sit in the chair for hours so there's a little bit more creativity you can get away with with that but I really like that. And as a person that didn't watch a lot of animated stuff, I didn't grow up watching a lot of animated stuff. We were in a Disney household and that kind of stuff. Um, it's nice as an adult to venture into more like animated because Steven likes a lot of animated stuff, but recognizing like adult animation. And it's not like watching like the boring Sleeping Beauty movie from my Disney youth. It's yeah. like... It's done so differently now, and I I really like it. I recommend Clone Wars. And Clone Wars was good for kids because it's not ultra violent. No, I mean, yeah. they're yes, they're they're fighting a war and stuff, but like you don't see blood and guts. No, and all you that could kind of watch stuff. it as a family. Um, but it's it's smart enough for adults. Yeah, for um, sure. And I I will say this much: I feel like when we rewatch the original trilogy, I feel like if you'll we do. you'll care more because of knowing more about Vader, because we're not done. We have more yeah. things to get to before we get to those. We have Rebels. We have the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. We have Andor. We're like, we have all these other things Ooh, to get to. Note. We have all those things to get to. And I think that your interest um, 
will stay peaked to rewatch those just based on knowing more and seeing more with Vader, seeing more with Yoda, like Maybe, th- those but sort my of girl things. Your girl Ahsoka won't be in them. No, your your girl Ahsoka will not be, um, oh. because womp those womp. were long before in the beginning of everything. But yes, he um, has ruined <laughs> me, y'all, and I have watched more Star Wars than I care to think about. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, the voice of Padme, Padme is uh, Catherine Tambor. Uh, she does a great job of sounding sure. like Natalie Portman. So, I mean, they cast I people they do to do the voices job. that could do them. Yes, but I think they do a great job of making Padme and Anakin not Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen in The Clone Wars, yeah. which makes me like them better. Also, uh, there's a small little bit where the voice of... Um, the Emperor is voiced by, oh, I got to find him now, Tim Curry yeah. in the Clone Wars series. And it's I thought a that small little small little role in the sixth season where Tim Curry starts voic- voicing the Emperor. And it's it's great. He does a wonderful job. I, 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 I didn't notice that the first time around yeah. that they had changed the voice because most of the time it's Ian Abercrombie. Um, but I think he passed away, and I think that's why oh, he okay. doesn't do the last season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there will be more Star Wars to come when uh, he makes me watch more Star Wars things. Yeah, the next up for us is the Bad Batch. So we have completed the prequel trilogy, and we're moving into what is between the prequel trilogy and the original series. So you know, in a few months, we'll have another Star Wars episode when we've made it through all that stuff. Well, I'm exhausted. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Tumblr, all for if we can just say. Yes. Like, um, we have share, a, subscribe, tell your friends. We have our uh, WordPress as well. That is if we can just say 189. Um, and we're share with us any fun snow stories that you guys have. Yeah, let us know about your fun stories. Post if you got pictures yeah. of, of being in the snow when you were a kid. Post that. Yeah, That'd be definitely. cool. We love to see that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I believe that's all we can say this week. Bye, y'all.